All right. Hello. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Twim Sisters edition. I'm going to call this Twim Sisters 2.0. 2.0, extra one for this week. Extra, extra. <laughs> I'm your host, Ariane Smith. With Tiffany Hales. So we're back. Second episode. We had so much material because February's just been a month. February's just been a month. And so we have some fun stuff we're going to talk about we in this episode. We lumps all of the fun articles into this one because we just got done having to talk about the SEC. Yeah. And now we want to talk about fun things. Yes. So if you if you haven't listened to our earlier episode, we do have an earlier episode that we recorded. So we're recording two episodes tonight. They will be able to stand independent of each other, but don't think, oh, I'm just getting one episode because there's actually two. We're a two for tonight. Two for the prize of one. I know. Who knew? Just so much news. Okay. Now, since we're talking about a lot of like pop culture type stuff in this episode, I have to say the hosts that came on two weeks ago, Yes, two weeks ago. They um, were the hosts of Bless the Refreshments? Yes, there is a podcast called Bless the Refreshments, okay. which I had never heard before. I'd never listened to it before. I do have it on my podcast list okay. to listen to it because I liked when they came I liked on. them. They I were good. They, they were, were good. good. I have one beef. Okay. <laughs> they... Deeply, deeply, deeply despise Real Housewives. Oh, they really do. They have some strong <laughs> feelings on the Real Housewives. Their feelings were so strong. I'm completely fine with that. I realize they are not for everyone, and I am a weird person for liking to watch them. Yes. But they were coming hard, not just for Housewives. They were coming hard for the people that watch Housewives. They were shaming those who watch Housewives. It's a major Housewives shame. Like, I know the TV I watch is trash, but that does not mean I am trash. (laughs) And they made you feel like you were trash for watching Real Housewives. So basically, bless the refreshments, guys. We're beefing with you. The twin sisters are beefing with you. We got a bone to pick. We got a bone to pick over your... Immense dislike of Real Housewives. <laughs> Let's find out what they like that All we right. can then slam on. They, Ooh, probably, they yeah. probably like that, that sports stuff. Or like, like they... video games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a waste of time. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we do have a Real Housewives story, adjacent story. We do. We so have that's... a Real Housewives adjacent story. It's, it's, all, it's on my mind. Those Salt Lake Housewives are just keeping us all busy. Oh, well, exactly. Not so, in a good way. <laughs> no, not in a good way. All right. What's well, your news? I am in the midst of planning, because I am in the Relief Society presidency, the infamous <gasps> Relief Society birthday dinner. dinner. Are you doing something fun this year? You know, we're going to do this really cool thing. We had, we had found this in December, because a lot of wards used this for like a Relief Society activity in December, but we always do like an open house brunch in December. So this doesn't really work for a Relief Society activity. There is this, um, oh, it's this thing that a lady wrote and it's called The Women Who Knew Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it's a narration and you do have like somewhere between six, I can't remember if it was like six and eight different women uh, where it's their story and their encounters with Jesus and their encounters with Christ and, you know, how that impacted their lives. And so we're going to ask various sisters to read these stories for part of our program. And we're just going to have kind of a real Christ-centered, Christ-focused oh. Relief Society birthday dinner. Nice. And I think it'll be really cool because I read the script for this, uh-huh. The Women Who Know Jesus, and it's really beautiful. Okay, it that's It really cool. is beautiful. And I think it's important, since it is the Relief Society birthday dinner, that we are focusing on yes. other women and 
the strength that those other women help us with our testimonies. Okay, I love that. Okay, so not that this is more important, but what are you serving? (laughs) I mean, I just have to ask. Okay. I always am curious. Okay. Well, we met today to kind of put this Uh together. So I think what we're going to do, because you really can't go wrong with pasta, Mm -hmm. is I think rather than do like a pasta bar, I think what I, what I suggested to, or well, we both came up with it together. um, The, uh, my, my, enrichment coordinator is she's going to look for a bunch of recipes and then we'll pick where it's like a pasta bake. So you put it all together so we can do that in advance. And then the day of, you know, we may even just pop it in the oven at the church that night, get it all baked and and heat it up. And then we'll do salad and I'm going to make my rolls because we don't have that many sisters. It's kind of sad that attend. Aww. And so mm-hmm. making rolls for the birthday dinner is not that big of a deal because I don't have to make that many rolls. Oh yeah. So, I love your rolls. Anyway. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to have some, we're okay. going to have some delicious food because if you know anything about me, I take my white carbs very seriously. Yes. And so <laughs> my rolls are basically to die for. And you have a son <laughs> who would, who would, be my first witness to that because anytime you say you're going to my house, he's like, is that Tiffany going to have rolls? My four-year-old just thinks that Tiffany just whips these out. Like she just, he just thinks she's a roll factory. And every time we go to her house, he's like, where's the rolls? Where's the rolls? You know what? I had a bunch of extra rolls. I should have brought them over to him tonight because I was like, what am I going to do with these? Maybe when I'm out and about tomorrow, I'll drop some rolls by your house because I had to make rolls for my office this week. I mean, now my rolls are famous at my office as well. (laughs) I brought them to the Christmas party and we did a Mardi Gras party this week. Uh And they were like, uh, you're bringing rolls. You don't get to pick a food assignment. You're bringing rolls. <laughs> Your reputation. So I made two pans of rolls because I was like, okay, if I don't make a pan to leave at home, I'm going to hear about it from my family. <laughs> but they really haven't eaten them. What? So, I, oh. and I was thinking to myself, I got to find a good home for these. Well, you bring them to me. I'm going to drop them off tomorrow because my four-year-old your, your son up. will be a great home for my rolls. Yes, he will. He'll make his day. All okay, right. so first, this is our pop culture pop episode. culture story. So there was actually, I just recently got the BYU alumni magazine. Uh-huh. That's always good for some good fodder for our podcast. And they had an article in there entitled "Pop Culture Power." So I thought that was very appropriate for the pop culture episode that we are doing. I did not read this. So this was communications professor Scott H. Church. He has a BA, 2005, and he said he liked the 80s before it was cool. When did the 80s ever get cool? The 80s are way cool now. Are the 80s way cool now? The teenagers, my teenage daughter is obsessed with the 80s. She's like, mom, you grew up in the coolest time. (gasps) See, I can get on board with the 70s, but I'm like, I still can't find much redeeming about the 80s. No, the kids these days, they like really? the 80s. Yeah, they do. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so he talks about the TV show Freaks and Geeks and how he liked that because it it was set in the 80s. <gasps> That's a good show. Anyway, so he says, he was asked, how did you find pop culture? And he says, popular culture is entertainment for the masses, movies, TV shows, music, but pop culture is also hairstyles, outfits, even buildings. It's so prevalent that it references work that so prevalent that reference that references work their way into our lexicon. Tell someone may the force be with you and they'll catch the star Wars reference, even if they haven't seen the saga. And then it was like, 
who benefits from pop culture. So let's find out who's going to benefit from our pop culture podcast tonight. Everyone. (laughs) Everyone. (laughs) Pop culture adds more to our lives than an escape from boredom. Authentic portrayals of events and people make us more empathetic, expose us to new perspectives and building bridges. It can be cathartic. Cathartic. (laughs) That's a hard word. Well, and it's late. Helping us purge strong emotions and work through past experiences. Uh, there were no pop culture classes when I was at BYU. Can I go back and take that class? Seriously. <laughs> well, I don't know if he actually offers it as a class or this is just the BYU alumni magazine uh, um, asking this communication oh, professor okay. about pop culture. But it wouldn't surprise me if BYU had a pop culture class, and that would be really fun. So now we have set the stage for what our listeners are going to garner tonight from our magnificent 2.0 episode. This is this is our favorite. These are our favorite kind of articles. So okay, first start us out. First one we have Deseret News article. Breaking news: Uh, Dirty Dough becomes UVU's official cookie. More cookie oh more stories. What? UVU has an official cookie. I don't know what this means. I think it means they're going to offer them at like games. Exactly. So, exactly. I think it means there won't be a crumble cookie sold on their campus. Yes. If you want a cookie at the UVU campus, you will be eating a dirty dough a cookie. A dirty dough cookie. But don't worry. Crumble, You'll have to Uber your crumble cookie in. apparently is the official cookie of the Utah Jazz. True. So... Well, I guess it wouldn't be Ubering your crumble cookie and you DoorDash your crumble cookie to your class. Anyway, so there you go. Uh, UVU has picked a side and they picked the dirty dough side. They picked the dirty dough side. (laughs) All right. Our next story. Oh, I've got the next one too. Okay. This one one was fascinating. Okay. This was a story, really, really long um, article from the Deseret News. And it was about the family of Tara Westover. Now, if you remember, Tara Westover wrote the book Educated. came out five years ago. Mm -hmm. It was a smash hit. I read it. You read it. I think I even picked it for my favorite thing one month right after it came out. Did you do it at book club too? Did your book club read it? Yeah, we did it at book club too. So, um, and I actually read it. (laughs) You didn't do the audible of it. You physically read the book. Yes. It was, it was good. Um, anyway, when her book came out five years ago, if you recall, she grew up in a very, very um, strict, uh, what do you call it? Kind of a fanatical. Yeah, I would L- say fanatical. LDS family. Her, her family were, according to her, preppers. Right. So they're, you know. And little, they didn't trust the government. They're pretty extreme. Yes. Um, and lots of like home remedies, no doctors, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So she wrote this book about her childhood and there were just like wild stories in there about everything she went through. Uh, Talked about the church. Definitely some, I actually thought she did a really good job of not blaming the church. Like I thought she going into it. I thought she might, I thought she She did more shade on her parents. Right. It was, it was more, she kind of separated that, which I appreciated. Anyway, it was, massive hit sold millions and millions of copies so five years later she did the talk show circuit yeah she did talk shows she she i mean it's still wildly popular i still see it in book clubs i see it on shelves i see people online talking about it um anyway this has been five years so the deseret news did a deep dive they wanted to get her parents side of the story um because obviously this was devastating to her family this 
tore her family apart. Obviously, if someone in your family writes a tell-all book about your family and it sells millions of copies and becomes a bestseller, and then the whole world is looking at your family like, what in the world? Under a microscope. As you can imagine, this was really hard on the family. And so they let the Deseret News, this um, writer, Daryl Gibson, come to their home. They live in a small town in eastern Idaho. And, and he spent like eight hours interviewing yeah, them. Like he spent a long time. He interviewed them. He interviewed um, neighbors, like neighbors, co like former co-workers of hers in the town. He really kind of wanted to. Her siblings. Yeah. Who would si- speak to him. Siblings. He really kind of wanted to get to the bottom of the story. Like what's fact, what's fiction, because there's two sides to every story. Yeah. Um, so this was really interesting. Her parents um obviously have a completely different take on this. Mm-hmm. Um, they admit that um, her dad had admitted that like, you know, his parenting style may have changed over the years and maybe he was harder on her back yeah. then, but they, they say that this is just not what happened. Um, and a, some, many of her siblings also say, no, this is like, I don't know. She's not remembering it. Right. So there are two different yeah. stories here, which can happen when something yeah. happens years and years ago. Um, but he spent some time with them in the house. Um, you know, people in the community, they run a business out of their house. He interviewed people that work for their yeah. business, community members. They, everybody was like, no, we're, we're shocked, you know, to read her story. Mm-hmm. This just doesn't seem right from the people we know. Um, so, and it was really interesting. He also talked to the, the family hired an attorney right after this story broke, um, or right after her book came out, they hired an attorney. The attorney advised them to sue her for defamation. Mm -hmm. They said, no, we don't want to, because we want to hold out hope that we can have a relationship. Some sort of reunification. And that'll never happen if we sue her. Um, so there isn't, it sounds like there's still not much of a relationship. Yeah. She, it sounds like they're in contact over email and then the family's kind of divided. Yeah. Like, it's divided the kids. There are a couple of siblings that talk to her and also talk to the parents. Yeah. And then there are some siblings that won't talk to her, like yeah. have completely cut off contact. So I don't know. This is a really long story. It's a total deep dive. If you read the book, it would be a really interesting it to is. go through and read this story. I think it's super fascinating if you've read the book mm-hmm. to see their perspective on right. it and what they think, because they were made out to be such monsters in this book. Mm-hmm. And the reporter is like, well, you know, based on, on, on what I'm seeing, you know, I'm not really seeing that, which of course, I mean, they know the reporters there, they're going to be right. on their best behavior. Right. But I think it just really brings up a very interesting kind of phenomenon and discussion about memory. Yeah. How two different people can experience the same event and walk away with such completely different perceptions of what happened in that event. Right. And as time goes on, how the memories change, fade, shift, just become a little more foggy. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Super interesting. My, my gut feeling is it's somewhere in the middle. Exactly. Like there's two sides of the story and probably there's truth to both. Exactly. And probably it's somewhere in the middle. Um, so anyway, but it is really sad to see the family so divided. Um, like my heart really does break for them for the whole thing and for her and what she went through and just the aftermath of all this. Um, there's no easy, yeah, easy answer or easy fix. And 
Well, and I thought it was really interesting at the end of the article. So the dad, I guess, has been keeping journals and whatnot for years. And so the reporter asks him, you know, what, what are you going to do with all of these when you pass away? And he says, I'm leaving them to Tara because she is the child that knows me the least. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, you know, and, and, and I, I mean, and then I wonder from her perspective, is she just going to go, oh, good, now I can burn them? Or right. would she even go? Do I do I want to understand or see what his perspective is? I I don't know. I don't know, and it probably depends on her headspace too. Exactly. Like, like if she has been that traumatized, it could be really really hard to exactly. go through and read those. Well, and just his death could like could trigger stuff too. There's so much yeah. so much trauma. It's just a sad yeah sad situation. So. Okay, but interesting read. If you it is very if you read if you read the book read. and you're interested, go read the article because yeah. it's really interesting. Yeah. Okay, so our next story is the Jets. You remember? You may remember them from the late '80s, early '90s. They were a family band and they were members of the church. And they subsequently, we've done at least one other story on the Jets before. Yes. Um, because they, when they were very popular and then kind of the band broke up and they went in different directions and there was kind of some bad feelings here and there and everywhere. Anyway, one of the members of the band, his name is Hanini and he is married to Sarah and he and Sarah have 14 children. And the first seven of those, the oldest seven of those 14 children have a pop band called 13 Crowns. And so Hanini and his wife, Sarah, and the oldest seven children got invited to be on the Tamron Hall show. So they were on the Tamron Hall show recently. But here's what they have gone viral for, not for their music. Right. So their mom did one of those videos, which I'm sure you've seen on TikTok, where the mom is like, yes, I was pregnant this year and that child walks in and I was pregnant this year and that child walks in. So she has 14 kids in 21 years. So she did this video going oldest to youngest and um, starts with the oldest child and says where she's pregnant and that child comes in and gives her a hug. And then the next child comes in and they say the year she was pregnant with that child and gives her a hug and goes all the way down to 14. And that video has had 20.8 million views on TikTok and more than 20,000 comments. It's kind of crazy. Wow. And what's interesting is child number 12 was a child that passed away for SIDS. And so when they recognize that child in the video, they have an angel emoji. Yeah. And so it really helped people to understand that they had lost this baby. And the mom says, um, you know, after she lost this baby to SIDS, uh, she said that all of our children have been such a gift. But we said, we don't want this to be the period on their family. They didn't want that baby that passed away to be, okay, now we're done. We're not going to have kids. So she says, I got on my knees and asked God, if you will give me the strength to do this again, because it's scary. It's scary to think this could happen again. I will do it and take a leap of faith and trust you. And he did. And a year and a half later, Lene was born. And, and then they had one more they oopsie had surprise one baby. More oopsie surprise baby after that. <laughs> That's a lot of kids. It is a lot of they kids. Were, they were really cute though. That was a, it was a fun. I just they watched were. the segment of it and it was a cute interview. It was a cute interview. So go watch that segment on Tamron Hall. It was great. So okay. Oh, you've got oh, some Elizabeth I've, Smart news. I've got the next one. Oh, speaking of books that I am excited to come out. So, um, can you believe? Uh, as of, I think, March 
4th, I think is the date, or at least early in March, 20 years since no. Elizabeth Smart was found. That is wild. I I would have guessed 10. <laughs> I was obsessed with the Elizabeth Smart story, like completely and utterly obsessed with the Elizabeth Smart story, like more so than I'm even obsessed with Daybell Valley. <laughs> obsessed. <laughs> And so I have read every book that's come out. I've read the book that the parents did, Finding Elizabeth. I've read her books. Well, now there is a new book coming out, and it is entitled Unexpected, The Backstory of Finding Elizabeth Smart and Growing Up in the Culture of American Religion. This book is done by a gentleman by the name of Chris Thomas. And let me explain to you who Chris Thomas is. When, after Elizabeth Smart was kidnapped, you know, we saw Ed in front of the media all the time. Well, somebody finally got smart and said to the smarts, somebody got smart and said to the smarts, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you need a publicist. So they went and hired this group. And I remember this group because I thought this group handled the media so well, Mm -hmm. because for me in following these high profile stories, it's not only fascinating to follow the story itself. I find it so interesting to watch the media coverage and how the media coverage, uh, the media covers these stories and how the stories flow through the media. So somebody said, hire a publicist and he hired this group called the intrepid group. And their publicist at that time was this gentleman named Chris Thomas. He was very young. He was only like 28, 29 years old, but he had worked with some fortune 500 companies. And so he had some pretty good street cred for being able to uh, craft images and manipulate media and things Mm -hmm. like that. And so he was constantly giving updates, working with police, that sort of a thing. And so he wrote this book and I, I won't read the book because as we've discussed, I don't read the book, but I am planning on getting on audible and I'm planning on listening to the book. Um, So is he LDS too? Yes, I believe he is LDS too. And what's really interesting is he has remained exceptionally close to the family Mm -hmm. and Elizabeth since this whole whole ordeal went down. Now, of course, Elizabeth didn't know him very well. The family knew him. She didn't meet him until after they found her. She didn't meet him until after. And he, to a large extent, is responsible for getting the publicity out there to find her because the little sister had come forward and finally been able to put to work with a sketch artist and sketch out what Brian David Mitchell looked like Mm -hmm. Um, because she had seen him, but she was obviously very traumatized and... The instruction was just leave her alone. Don't put pressure on her. Mm -hmm. So after several months, she was able to say, hey, I think I know who this guy is. They worked with a sketch artist. And so Chris Thomas took this to the Salt Lake Police Department and the Salt Lake Police Department poo-pooed him. They thought he was just trying to get the story back in the news and recirculate the story Mm -hmm. and they would not release the artist's sketch. It's crazy. So he was like, I will not be deterred. And he went to John Walsh of America's Most Wanted. And he got John Walsh of America's Most Wanted to highlight this story and get the picture out there. Boom. Three weeks later, they find Elizabeth walking on the streets in Sandy. So, yeah. anyway, uh, so they both they, both Elizabeth as well as Chris Thomas have been making the media rounds, interviewing. I will return and report on this book yeah. because I will be reading it. I want to hear about it. Okay. Okay. Next story. Oh, this is what we've been. This is our pet project for the month of February. This has been our pet project. So, so you lead it in the Deseret News a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and a reporter for the Deseret News, her name is Hannah 
Syriac. Yes. She did an article and it was like, remember, it was like Julia and Julia, remember the movie where yes. Julia cooks all the recipes from, from Julia, Julia Child's, Child's cookbook. French cooking book. She's like, I'm going to do this with the Essential Mormon Cookbook, which is a cookbook I had not heard of. You had heard of it. I had heard of the cookbook. But apparently it's very famous because as I've like told my yes. friends about this, half of my friends are like, oh, I have that cookbook. I love it. So, so I read the article and I thought to myself, okay. First of all, I want to cover this article when we when we podcast. Right. Second, I want to cook some recipes out of this because I want to talk about those recipes right. when we podcast. So she claims in the article to have cooked the entire book. She claims to have cooked the entire book. And she writes, like she highlights a couple recipes in the article. I'm a little suspect. On we that. now have cooked only like 10% of the book. <laughs> We're going to talk about our experience in cooking through the book. And then we will return <laughs> to this article and some things in the article that left question marks and pauses for us. So, okay, so you got the book. I got the book. Let me tell you how I got the book. So <laughs> I, I, I Googled the book to see what the book looked like. This is the book right here. If you're watching us on, if you're watching us on YouTube, if you're, if you're listening to us, you should go watch us on YouTube because we're going to do some fun stuff here that you're probably going to want to see. It has a beehive on the front. It has a beehive on the front. As you would expect any good Mormon cookbook Exactly. To and it says green jello, funeral potatoes, and other secret combinations. Now, this cookbook you said came out in 2004. 2004. When you were describing it to me, I was like, oh, this is from the 70s. Yeah. But it actually came out in 2004. But out- I believe many, many of the recipes in it are from the 70s. <laughs> And 60s and 50s. <laughs> anyway, so I looked at it and it looked familiar. So I go scouring through my cookbooks and it is nowhere to be found. I am pretty sure that my former mother-in-law gave me this cookbook at one uh-huh. point in time, but I did a big purge last summer and I think I purged it to the DI. So I called up one of my friends who has a lot of cookbooks, who ironically is named Julie, because, you know, I collect them. Yes, you do. And I said, Julie, do you have this cookbook? And she said, no, I don't have this cookbook. And I said, oh, I got to get my hands on this cookbook. The next day she was out and about. So she swung by the DI. She found the cookbook for me. Two it, bucks. These are just floating around like crazy at the DI. I don't know. I might have bought Any, back my Anybody own, can get their hands on it. I might have bought <laughs> back my own cookbook. That's really <laughs> Possibly. So we, so we begin by obtaining the cookbook. So Tiffany got the cookbook. Yes. She sent me like, I don't know, seven or eight recipes and was like, pick some. Okay, well, first of all, I have to say, before I sent them to you, my friend Julie went through the cookbook and she found a recipe for mystery pie and she said, you have to make the mystery pie. Oh, right. We should disclaimer. We went through this cookbook looking looking for the wild and weird. We did. (laughs) We were not looking for the funeral potatoes. Everybody knows how to make a funeral potato. Well, you know, though, but this cookbook has a recipe for funeral potatoes. And I think we need to discuss this because (laughs) maybe we ought to say this is the definitive recipe on funeral potatoes. Because you talk to anybody and they all have a different idea about how funeral potatoes should be need to be made. So let me see if I if I I know I highlighted the funeral potato. No, one. I got my own funeral potato recipe and it's better than the one in that book. I can tell you that already. Well, I'm just saying <laughs> this is this is what apparently the definitive recipe is, and of course I can't find it right now. But anyway, so Tiffany picked out the weird and wild, sent me some, and was like, pick a couple. I was like, I will I will commit to two. I committed to two. Tiffany did the heavy lifting. I did. How many did you cook? Seven? Uh, about that many. So I, <laughs> I started off and my kid wanted, it was his birthday in early February. 
and I always say, what do you want for dessert? And I make them whatever fancy dessert they wanted. He wanted cheesecake. Well, there was a cheesecake recipe in the book. So I was like, oh, I'm going to make the cheesecake recipe in the book. Kill two birds with one stone. And that was delicious. The cheesecake. Said. I've never made cheesecake before. Mm-hmm. The cheesecake recipe was delicious. It turned out great. My husband and my son were blown away. They're like, wow, you know how to make cheesecake. And I was like, hmm, essential Mormon cookbook. <laughs> So after then things took a turn, they took a turn. (laughs) And for any of you who want to see what we made, um, I documented everything on my personal Instagram, which there is a link to my personal Instagram on the twin sisters, Instagram. My personal Instagram is at Tiffany Hales 15. It's not a private Instagram. So you can hop on and I have pictures and reviews of everything we made. So the next thing I made was great grandmother's heavenly ham loaf. She that was when you sent me the recipes, I picked two. They were like the only two that I was like I could stomach these. I looked at some of them and like gagged in my mouth just looking at the ingredients. So great grandmother's <laughs> heavenly ham loaf has chopped up ham and also has pork sausage and you mix that and you throw in tapioca pudding except I was supposed to put milk in and I forgot to put the milk in so the tapioca pudding never gelled like the tapioca pudding was supposed to I mean it was edible I would never make it again my 18 year old son who loves ham woofed it down he thought it was great the only way I could woof it down was I made mashed potatoes because mashed potatoes fix everything. Oh, goodness. Okay. So, tell them what you made next. So after that, I'm going to have to get on my Instagram and figure out what I made You next. made the mystery pie. Oh, I did. I tell, made the mystery pie. Tell us about the mystery pie. Okay. This was another one. You sent me the recipe. I was like, this is not real. This is not real. Okay. So the mystery pie is made with zucchini. And the zucchini are pretending to be apples. So you add sugar. Yes. This and is, cinnamon. This is supposed to be a dupe for an <laughs> apple pie recipe. So you got a lot of zucchini growing in your summer garden. <gasps> yeah, bake apple pie, only it's technically zucchini pie. So I peeled the zucchini. Mm-hmm. I chopped it up in little bits. I mixed it in a bowl with all the things you'd mix with apple pie, you know, your sugar, mm-hmm. your tapioca pudding for gel, your cinnamon, your nutmeg, all of that kind of stuff. Put it in a pie shell and baked it. Now here's what's really sad. I am not a pie maker. You are always the one that gets mm-hmm. delegated to make the pies because my family says I don't make my pies with love. So this pie comes out of the oven. It looks gorgeous. It is the <laughs> best looking pie I have ever made in my whole fluffing lifetime. And did it smell good? It did. It smelled incredible. <laughs> so I'm, I'm having high hopes for the zucchini, for the for the mystery pie. Uh-huh. So I serve it for dessert last Sunday. And I tell the kids, <laughs> it's mystery pie. So I cut it up. You know, it kind of looks a little bit like apple, except uh-huh. you can still see the, the zucchini seeds. Ooh. So... I could only stomach two bites. My husband could only stomach two bites. My two sons finished it, I think, more out of pity. My daughter and son-in-law were like, yeah, we're not doing this. So looked good, tasted awful. Now, tell them about what you did that you had high hopes for. Okay, so I made classic green jello. My children have never had jello in any form in their lives. Which I cannot believe your children have never had jello. <laughs> no, I failed. You have failed we, as a mother. We didn't have a lot of jello growing up, except when we went to our grandma's house. Our grandma no, always made I had jello, jello with up. fruit. You did not have oh, jello growing up. You had up. jello growing up. I had up. jello okay. growing up. So this was classic green jello. It was basically just green jello, sugar, pineapple tidbits mixed with whipped cream. 
So the whipped cream isn't on top. It's mixed. So it's like okay. a green, moussey, fluffy and, and so your thinking was, this has a very high it's sugar content. It's got a crap load of sugar. My kids love sugar. My kids will eat it. <laughs> no. All four of them, I made them. I was like, everybody takes one bite. <laughs> First of all, the green was throwing them off. They don't like anything green. It's just a thing. <laughs> and then it was the texture. Like so the they, chunky little pineapple bits. They were like, what's in this? So did they each eat at least their one bite? They each ate one bite and not a bite more. Okay. Nothing. They wouldn't have it. Did you eat a bite of the I had jello? some bites. I mean, it was, it was fine. <laughs> I, I think I would have like, you know, is the lime that's throwing me off. I think if I had made it with like a strawberry jello. Okay. Or okay. a orange jello. I think I might've been more into it. I'm just not a big like lime. I'm a fresh lime person. I'm yeah. not a big lime Imitation lime. Yes. Okay. But I mean, it was, it was fine. It tastes, right. tasted like your typical... Green jello you get at a church potluck. <laughs> well, the next one I did was party broccoli. Because who doesn't love a good party with broccoli? <laughs> so this was one where I steamed my broccoli. So I put my broccoli in my steamer and then I made a sauce for the broccoli. And the sauce for the broccoli was onions and sour cream. And um, I think it had salt and pepper in it. And then it had um, poppy seeds in the sauce. And so once the broccoli comes out of the steamer, you, I dumped the broccoli into the sauce and covered the broccoli with the sauce. Okay. This sounds like a warm version of like that summer broccoli salad that has like carrots and mayonnaise. And oh yeah. You know, I didn't even think about that. You're probably right. The party broccoli was not bad. I, uh-huh. I, I prefer naked broccoli to party <laughs> broccoli, but you know, if you're wanting to do something to jazz up your broccoli. There, I, I there you go. Like this. There you go. Okay. And then I did butterscotch bunt rolls because here is what intrigued me about butterscotch bunt rolls. You used butterscotch dry pudding mix. Mm. And so you take your frozen rolls and you put them in your bunt pan. And then you take a mixture of the butterscotch pudding mix along with um, brown sugar, sprinkle that all on top and then put butter on, and then you put a cover over it and let it rise overnight. Okay. Those were actually pretty good, but the distribution of the of the pudding and brown sugar and butter to roll was not good. So if I were to make that again, I think I would put half of it on the bottom, of the sugar, the brown sugar and the pudding. I think I'd put half of it on the bottom of the bump pan, then put my rolls in and then okay. put it on top. I had friends who suggested, let your rolls rise overnight, cut them in half mm. and then mix them all in with everything. And I was okay. like, yeah, that would, that would get a better, a better coverage. But that one, that one was good. Okay. And then I did, what did I do next? What was the egg thing? Oh no, I did. I did chicken artichoke. I did a chicken artichoke casserole. Oh, you did a ton. I, I did. So the that. chicken artichoke casserole, you were supposed to boil your chicken. Ugh, who likes boiled chicken? I used a Costco chicken and took mm-hmm. the chicken off the Costco chicken, put it in a pan, put artichokes over the top, did a sauce that had, oh, it was a basic roux. I'm and sure it had mayo. Did it have mayo? It did not have mayo. <laughs> it was a basic roux. It had cream and um and parmesan cheese mm-hmm. and milk in it baked that in the oven it wasn't bad but it was heavy and i just don't like to eat things that are that heavy yeah now last night i did this this uh egg bake square ham and egg bake square thing Oh, which I was shocked when you told me this is the one you were gagging over the most. Cause I know ham and eggs. What's wrong I, with ham and eggs? I love a good <laughs> breakfast casserole. So I really had high hopes for this one. Yeah. 
So uh, this one was you take sandwich bread, you cut off the crust, Mm -hmm. you put that in the bottom of a pan, and then you put a mixture of chopped up ham, cheese, and onion on top of it. Then you put more sandwich bread. And then here was the problem with this recipe. Mm -hmm. You mix four eggs plus three cups of milk. Mm. So you did not have a good egg to milk ratio. It's like a milk casserole. And so (laughs) the whole thing was soggy and really never cooked. And it was just gross. Plus there was this really weird gravy sauce oh, yes. put on top. Oh yes, the gravy sauce that, that you put on did top not look good. was cream of mushroom soup and sour cream. Mm. Again, a very heavy recipe. <laughs> so, but because we love our twin listeners so much, we are going to try out two recipes <laughs> live on our podcast tonight. This was an accident because I procrastinated until today. The other... Well, Oh, go ahead. <laughs> the other recipe I signed up to make was called molasses bran bread. Okay. And I hadn't done it until today. I was like, oh, we're podcasting. I got to make that recipe. Okay. Do we want to talk about the drink first or the bread? Uh, I don't know. Let's do the drink. <laughs> I'm scared. We're going to end with the bread. Okay. We'll do Okay. The so the drink that we are going to drink on air here, have two little glasses. I made the drink in advance. I defiled my Stanley cup and I put it in my Stanley cup because it's supposed to be hot. And so I was hoping my Stanley cup keeps it hot. Oh, you're supposed to drink it hot? It's, you're supposed to drink it hot. Oh, gosh. So it is, oh, where's a paper towel? Hand me a, can you hand me a, yeah. my paper towel? It's tomato. It's tomato. Something tomato. So you take your tomato juice. And you, oh, it's still hot. You take your tomato juice, you put it on your stove top with two tablespoons of onion, two tablespoons of fresh lemon juice, and a third of a cup of sugar, and you let this all gel. Okay. I don't know about this. So we're going (laughs) to pour it into the cup here. Okay. Smells like Campbell's. Okay. Oops. I'm making a mess. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good thing we got those paper towels handy. Uh, But you have to tell them what. It oh. calls for. Oh, yeah. I'm, on top. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to that. This is one of the recipes I almost gagged when I just read the ingredients. I was okay. like, no. So we have, let's see, I got to get the lid back on that before I spill that. I don't want to spill that all over. So we have the tomato juice that is still warm that I simmered for 30 minutes in the cup. But here's what you top it with, folks. <laughs> see this? Whipped cream. Whipped cream Why? on top Why? of your tomato Who juice. Who is putting whipped cream on their tomato juice? I don't know, but you and I are going to put whipped cream on our tomato oh, juice right here, the, right now. The things you talk me into. <laughs> oh, this is disturbing. <laughs> if Jeff could see us now, he'd be like, what has happened to them? <laughs> okay. Okay, should we try it? I'm scared. Plug my nose. Okay, yeah, try it. Take a sip. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. I got my Diet Dr. Pepper here. I am well, getting the taste out of my mouth. Here's what's really sad. I genuinely love tomato juice. It tastes like soup with whipped cream on it. It does. <laughs> I'm going to do one more swig. I didn't get the whipped cream in my swig. I only got the tomato juice. Well, lucky you. <laughs> oh. 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 Yeah. That no. is vile. Who is putting this in a cookbook? That is. And why is this a Mormon recipe? Have you ever heard of a Mormon serving this? Okay. You know what would make that palatable? Vodka. (laughs) That's what it is. 
This is like the Mormon <laughs> version of a Bloody Mary, right? <laughs> the Mormon version of a Bloody Mary. We can't have alcohol, so we're sticking whipped cream on top. Oh my gosh. We've substituted <laughs> our sugar for our alcohol. Oh my gosh. Okay, we've solved the mystery of that. That was awful. Okay, okay, now okay. we'll talk about the bread. Okay. So here, I'm handing you a can. Explain <laughs> to our viewers I go, and listeners why there is a can. I go to make this bread today because I have procrastinated and it's afternoon. And I get out all my ingredients, I get out my mixer, and I pull up the recipe. And I'm looking at the recipe and it says after you mix your dough, put it in a 24 ounce tin can and put it on the stove in a pot of boiling water with foil on the top and let it simmer in the boiling water for an hour and a half. I was like, what the what? I'm not using bread pans. <laughs> this I didn't even realize that. I just sent you the recipe based on the ingredients, not the method of cooking. I had my bread pans ready to go. I was like, what? I, had, I literally had to read it three times because I was like, am I reading this wrong? Are we cooking the bread in a tin can? Yeah, we're cooking the bread Hold in a tin up, can. So the it's in a, bread in a can. Now, it cooked. It worked. I was surprised you even had the tin can. I know. Luckily, my husband is a stellar recycler and he cleans out his cans really well, which I did wash it. I, get, yes. I, I did wash it with soap and water, but... Luckily, we got we got cans. Okay, so tell the viewers <laughs> so, what is in the bread in the can. So the bread in the can, it's a molasses bran bread. So you make it with all bran cereal, like okay. like dissolved in yeah. milk and molasses. Which I think all bran cereal is just cat food. And then all cereal. You, you add some, there's also some sugar and flour and baking soda. And then you put this in the can and put the foil on top and just let it boil for an hour and a half in a pot of water up halfway up. So it, Here, and it comes out in a can. So I will tell you when I first mixed up this dough, I was gagging because it smelled disgusting, <laughs> but I'm, I don't love molasses and okay. it had a really heavy molasses smell. And then when I took it out of the boiling pot and smelled it, I was like, okay, it actually just smells like a bran muffin now. Okay. The molasses but is But is gone. it going to taste like a tin can? I don't know. So she sends me this picture of bread in a can, and I'm like, what the freak? Because there it is. It's the shape of a can. It is. It just popped right out. Shape of the can. Okay. Did you grease your can? Yeah, you have to grease the can. Okay. The recipe told me to do that. Okay. Good thing. I would not have. So I don't know. I like... Mel's Kitchen Cafe has a bran muffin that I love. Okay. It is delicious. So if, I don't know, this has got like high, high standards. High standards. Okay. I'm, and I love molasses. So we'll, we'll, we'll okay. see what I'm we think. It. It's, it's a little it's tough. tough. <laughs> I think this might be chewy, a little bit chewy. Anyway, take, take a sliver. Okay. Of All right. Bread in a can. It's dense. Um, <laughs> it's kind of bland. That's what I was going to say is it doesn't have much flavor. It tastes like kind of cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> there's not a lot of flavor. No, there's not a lot of flavor. But it does come in a lovely shape. <laughs> like, it looks like when you, you know, you prop, plop the cranberry. It does. When you plop the cranberry. You plop the cranberry out of the can and you slice it in those little slices. That's exactly what this looks like in bread form. You know, if, if there were like some cinnamon or some nutmeg yeah. in this. I mean, it's not bad. It, I'm not gagging. Yeah. But it's some just, cinnamon and some nutmeg in this might actually make it like decent. It just doesn't have a lot of flavor. But, okay. Well, you know, I mean. Bread in a can. Who knows? But, okay. I am just like, 
who in the world thought to cook their bread in a can? I feel like this has to be some leftover pioneer thing. I mean, not the pioneers had tin yeah. cans, but maybe like a leftover thing from yeah. like early depression era saints. I don't know. I I don't know <laughs> is, either. Is, is this a Boy Scout recipe? It, We're cooking bread in cans yeah. over the campfire. I don't it, know it, exactly. So. Anyway, so so the long and the short of it is for this cookbook and Hannah's article is, you know, Hannah's article really kind of praises this cookbook as this great cookbook and, you know, for an inexperienced cook. And um, she highlighted like a couple of her favorites. She highlighted a couple of her favorites and, um, you know, says it tells a lot about us as Mormons and what we like to cook, you know, because there's lots of potatoes and cheese and butter my thought on it was when I cooked these recipes and looked through these recipes, they reminded me of stuff that was being cooked in the fifties and sixties and seventies. And I saw more of a, of an evolution for where we've, where we were to where we are now Mm -hmm. and how we've moved beyond, beyond that and gotten a lot of fresh food. Because like I said, a lot of this was just heavy and I was like, Oh, like lots of canned items. Lots of canned, Mm -hmm. lots of sauces. I mean, it seems like our sauces are lighter these days. Um, but I mean, she's very positive in this article about this cookbook. Here's what we have concluded. Now, yes. granted, we picked the weird recipes. Yes. But after the traumatization we've had over this tiny handful of weird recipes, well, we're like, but I picked some that I thought were normal that weren't even good. <laughs> that were traumatizing. We're like, there is no way she cooked her way through this whole book because she would have had to write a little paragraph about the bread in a can. Exactly. Or the... <laughs> Exactly. How can you not? I mean, bread in a can. Or the tomato juice with whipped cream. Exactly. How did she leave that out? Well, and here's the other thing that I questioned. One of her favorite recipes in here was beef stroganoff. And so I was like, oh, okay. She really likes the beef stroganoff. I'm going to make the beef stroganoff. I like beef stroganoff. So I searched all the way through this cookbook for beef stroganoff. Folks, there's no beef stroganoff in this cookbook. So I'm like, what in the world is she talking about? Oh, there is a sister companion Mm. to this cookbook. It is called The Essential Mormons Celebrations. The beef stroganoff is in Essential Mormon Celebrations, not the Essential Mormon cookbook. Maybe she cooked from that one. Well, no, because she references (laughs) the green jello you tried, which is in this one. And the five cup salad, which is in this one too. So... I'm, 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 I'm just a little confused. Plus she said she meticulously documented it. Well, I tried to like, does she have a Twitter? It was on, does she have an Instagram? That I was don't on? know. I, I mean, find we it. don't want to call you out, Hannah, but I just have to say, I feel like if you made it all the way through this book, your article would not have been so positive. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Hannah just has very different food tastes than us. Maybe she thinks bread and again, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I do have to say, I reached out to Hannah because I really wanted to get her on the uh-huh. podcast um, to talk about this cookbook with us. And she had a conflict, so she couldn't she couldn't come she on the podcast. She was very nice. She though. was very, so very, nice. very nice about we it. We would love to have her come on. Someday. And we would love to have her come on. And sometime. we promise we won't we won't be mean. We will not be mean. 
because Hannah actually writes a lot of articles yeah. that we cover. She's been covering the Cookie War stories. And whenever I just Google her name on Deseret News, like I probably read more articles from her than anybody right. else. She's actually a very good writer and she covers a lot of stuff I'm interested she, in. She's great. She's great. So, <laughs> And anyway. she gave us quite the entertainment this time. Exactly. Month. So for that alone, Hannah, thank you for writing the article on the Essential Mormon Cookbook because this was really fun to do. <laughs> It was great. I don't know if our children liked it. Oh, but. <laughs> I'm so glad to be done working on these recipes. Uh, no. But now the question is, do I keep the cookbook or do I re-DI it? Um, um, I know. Maybe we should give it away to a faithful listener. <laughs> be a great idea. Give the cookbook away. If anybody wants it, comment on our Instagram page. It's yours. It's yours. <laughs> there you go. Okay. What's next? Um, oh, cake by Courtney. Yes, we're going to talk about some really good now, recipes. Yes, it's interesting how you talk about the evolution because we have moved on from cookbooks to LDS food bloggers. Exactly. And LDS food bloggers, I believe, are some of the best food bloggers out there. Like, oh, hands down. We have so many good ones. Anyway, one of our most famous is Cake by Courtney. Um, she is the one, she is just like, so, so famous for her gorgeous, gorgeous cakes. And she is posts the recipes and how-to videos. And she's been doing this for years. Anyway, she was featured this last month in the BYU Alumni Magazine. And they shared a few of her cake recipes. And um, so that was just fun. Yes. Just shout out to Cakes by Courtney. Exactly. So if you get the BYU Alumni Magazine, go look for her, two of her cake recipes because they really are kind of incredible. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're just going to do a quick shout out to East Idaho News. Now, they are an online news organization that covers the eastern part of Idaho, which is very much like covering Utah because the demographics over there with members of the Mm. church are very high. So as you know, I always like to go down the rabbit hole of social media comments because I save you all from having to do that. (laughs) And so East Idaho (laughs) News gets all sorts of comments. And so they did this funny thing with some of their mean and some of their bizarre comments. And they made a video where they are quoting their mean and bizarre comments. Yes. And one of the late, I think it's Jimmy Kimmel does this. Jimmy Kimmel does this. And it was very funny. So shout out to that because it's super fun to watch. And it's Mormon adjacent because most of their reporters are Mormon and half of their mean comments referenced Mormon-y things. Exactly. (laughs) So, all right. Now, speaking of Mormons, we are going to move on to Mormons behaving badly because I had enough this month for not only episode one, but for episode 2.0. Unfortunately. Okay. So we are going to start with a story that broke today. It happened last week, I think, but the news media did, news media did not pick it up today until today. There is a TikToker and her name is Taylor Frankie Paul. She is alleged to be a member. I think we talked about her. Did we talk about, I maybe think maybe we did. The first time she was in the news. She is quote, she's, she has 4 million followers on TikTok. She's out of Utah uh, she was exposed as a quote unquote soft swinger. I think that's how we it first was some like scandal several months yes. ago where they came out and her, she got divorced and it was like well, really sad and weird. she got arrested. So um, she's at her house. A neighbor reports hearing screaming and yelling coming from inside the house. So the neighbor calls the police. When the police show up, the officer hears yelling. And so he knocks on the door. A man answers the door, um, and apparently the man lives with 
Frankie, Taylor, Frankie, Paul, they live together. And so they both start talking to the officer in the doorway. The officer inquires about the circumstances and Taylor, Frankie, Paul, this is the woman, not the man, because she kind of does have a a gender neutral name, lunges at the man right in front of the officer and begins pushing him and hitting him. Folks, I'm going to give you a word of advice. If you're going to go all domestic violence on your spouse or partner, don't do it in front of a police officer. So the police officer is like, okay, I'm going to separate you two out. And uh, anyway, she ends up getting arrested. She gets charged with domestic abuse. Um, They viewed some other video footage, which tells me she must have those ring cameras in her house. And Mm -hmm. they got the ring cameras in her house. And her daughter was present, her five-year-old, when all of this happens. And they think in the melee of all of this that the five-year-old was injured. So, yeah, Taylor Frankie. Get it together. Don't behave badly. All right. My last Mormon's behaving badly. Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Jen Shaw reported to prison this week. Now, the reason we are covering this is Jen Shaw grew up a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. When she met her husband, Sharif, also known as Coach, because he coaches for the football team for the University of Utah, she converted to Islam, and um, she is that religion now. So um, you may recall she got charged federally with a bunch of um, fraud because she was scheming and stealing old people's money. She got sentenced to six and a half years in jail. She reported to prison this week. Um, before she reported to prison, she did a very interesting podcast that I listened to with Justin Papernini, who gives his podcast is called white collar advice, and she has a release plan and she's going to be working on her release plan while she's in prison. And her release plan is how she's going to pay back the $9.5 million that Mm. she's been court ordered to pay back. So She is our Mormon behaving badly this week. And they sent her where? Arizona? Is that what it was? Uh, she went to a prison actually down in Texas. Texas. In fact, it's the same prison they're expecting Elizabeth Holmes is going to report to when she has to report to well, prison. That's a fun combo. Well, there you go. <laughs> anyway, uh, her okay. days in prison will be very different than her Shaw amazing life she had as a real housewife. Mm. All right. Well, I guess that's it. Favorite things? Favorite things. We're going to do favorite favorite things, edition, second edition. Second edition. Where'd my paper go? What was my favorite thing? I had to write it down so I didn't forget. Oh, I know what it was. Since we're talking about food so much, I picked a food thing. It's a weird one, but it's delicious. Okay. Weird is the theme, right? Weird is the theme. Dr. Pepper cotton candy. Have you guys seen this? I saw an influencer girl online what? post about it. And oh, I that just sounds disgusting. Oh, no. You know, I have a love of all things Dr. Pepper. Yeah. So I fact, saw. I am drinking a Dr. Pepper <laughs> strawberries and cream she had at her house tonight. It's Dr. Very Pepper Zero is my drink all the time. So I love all things Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper chapstick, Dr. Pepper, everything. So I saw this girl online post about it and say it was pretty good. And so I had to get my hands okay. on some. It is delicious. <laughs> I'm not a huge Where cotton did you candy find person. It? Well, I got it on Amazon, but now they have it at the gas station. And they have it in the zero. No, or it's not you, zero. Oh, so you had to buy it with the No, full it's sugar. cotton candy. Cotton candy. Not cotton candy flavored Dr. Pepper. Oh, it's actual It's cotton. Dr. Pepper flavored cotton candy. It's actually oh, cotton candy. Oh, that makes a lot more sense than the drink. I thought we were talking a drink that tastes No, we're talking. Candy. Sorry, I was not clear. We were talking a cotton candy. 
that is flavored like Dr. Pepper. Oh. It is really good. Okay. Well, maybe I'll have to try. See, now that I could stomach more than the flavor of cotton candy inside the Dr. Pepper. It really tastes like Dr. Pepper. And it's more flavorful than like, you know, normal cotton candy just tastes like sugar. Yeah. This is like Dr. Pepper flavored sugar. Huh. It's delicious. All right. Well, who knew? Who knew? Okay. Well, my favorite thing tonight, I'm wearing an example of my favorite thing. This is, uh, you know, one of those three quarter zip up things. Mm-hmm. But not only is this a shirt, you can't see it because unless I stand up, maybe I should stand up for our viewers who are who are watching us on YouTube. It's a it's, dress. It's actually a sweater dress. Sweater dress. Cute. And it is from... Walmart of all places. And it is a brand that I found at Walmart that I really like called Free Assembly. And so I think I paid $8 for this sweater dress because Mm -hmm. it's on clearance because they're clearancing out their winter merchandise. I bought a couple of spring dresses and that were just beyond adorable that were so like my style that Mm -hmm. I like to wear. Um, And they were $34 a piece. So super cute clothes, super reasonably priced. I say go check out the free assembly brand at Walmart. They fit very true to size, I have found out. Yeah, so they, they don't have some cute stuff. They don't run big, they don't run small, mm-hmm. they're very true to size. And so I highly recommend them. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, that's it. We did it. Two episodes back to back. We've never done that before. I, mean, I, I, I didn't know if we were gonna make it through. So <laughs> pat pat ourselves on our back. Twim Nation, thank you very much for listening to us tonight. And as always, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on the Twitter. Uh, you can reach out at contact at thisweekinmormons.com with any comments or concerns or show suggestions. We would love to hear them. So please do that. And we appreciate you listening and hope that you have a good evening. Thanks for listening. <laughs>